0: Well, the Church of Christ has always struggled to maintain a biblical balance between grace and works. There are some who never seem to understand uh, that we're saved by grace plus plus nothing, Uh, that our standing with God rests... uh, upon what Christ did for us on the cross, and, and not what we'll, we'll do on this earth. And they're all about works. But then there's these others who um, who are very quick to talk about all of grace and, and being freely forgiven and uh, being bound for heaven. and, and uh, But we, we strain our eyesight to see um, uh, some of those good works in their lives. Uh, and and any fruit, any evidence of the love that Jesus told us we should have for one another. They're all about, about grace. But the writer to the Hebrews shows us a man who puts grace and, and works together, faith and works together in a wonderful, perfect way. And that man's name was Noah. We've looked at um, Abel, the last Lord's Day, Eden. we looked at Enoch, but now we come to Noah, and my text is found again in the 11th chapter of the epistle to the Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, 7. <clears throat> the words are before you, but you may care to look in your Bibles as well. We read that um, in these verses, Hebrews eleven seven. Uh, That by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes
1: by faith.
0: Well... Take that. Um, By means of the ark, Noah uh, saved his family uh, from a worldwide flood. Um, The reality, the truth uh, of this occurrence, uh, of a worldwide flood, is attested by the fact that so many religions uh, make account of it. Uh, the Samaritans, the, the Babylonians, the ancient Sanskrit language, in India, the Egyptians all record myths, stories about a great flood. Uh, many people are convinced that there's strong archaeological evidence uh, for a flood, and, and there's even talk from time to time about the evidence of remains of the Ark itself in the Royal Mountains of modern-day Turkey. But this evening, uh, we'll turn to the Bible to hear the truth of the matter. Now, to understand this, <coughs> we need to read a few significant uh, verses from Genesis 6, 1-3. Genesis 6, 1-3, where we read these, these verses. When men began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man uh, forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. Now, these are controversial verses, but I believe that what we can learn from them is that the, uh, the godly line, the righteous sons of Seth, the sons of God, as they're called in our text, were very unwisely and disobediently marrying the worldly unsaved daughters of the line of Cain, the daughters of men, as they're called here. The predictable result of this unwholesome practice of ungodly mixed marriages, um, of believers marrying unbelievers, uh, the first time you read of it in Scripture, was um, predictably uh, disastrous. And uh, that is the cause of this declension, this uh, situation where things got so uh, very bad. The Apostle Paul warns us today, doesn't he, about Christians being unequally yoked. But early in world history, it apparently got to the place where there was no longer a godly seed, but only faithless, wicked couples with their terrible, ungodly children. And the text goes on to say, in Genesis 6, 5, and 6, that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was, uh, uh, was great on the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he'd made man on the earth. In fact, um, the wickedness of man apparently had become so great that God and God was so grieved that he determined to, um, to start all over again, uh, to repopulate the earth with the one remaining God-fearing man named Noah. So Noah was a, a righteous man. He was a saved man. He was a man who loved and trusted God and his purposes. Noah was a man of faith. That's what the Bible reports. For when God spoke to this man, Noah, and told him that he intended to destroy the whole world with a flood, Noah believed God. Uh, that's to say that, he, that Noah responded in faith by, uh, by believing and trusting what God uh, told him. Uh, Hebrews 11 says that faith... Is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now there are certainly plenty of reasons why Noah might not have believed God to begin with. Noah couldn't see God, uh, and and God had never done anything like this, even close like this before. We're told that we're not told that there were storm clouds overhead. In fact, it may not even have rained on the earth before the flood the ground being watered by a mist and, I suppose, by the rivers of the Tigris and Euphrates and their tributary streams. Also, it's certain that that no man had ever attempted to build such a boat or barge, at least on such a scale as this before, on dry land, hundreds of miles from the sea, mind you. And remember, also, that there were no other uh, righteous, godly men or women who might encourage him and corroborate and and bless him, he was on his own. And you should note that after Noah, God spoke to Noah about the flood. He waited full 120 years before he actually said the deluge. So whether we're to regard uh, that long delay as being a matter of necessity and taking Noah that long to build the ark, or whether God deliberately delayed judgment uh, of the flood to give opportunity for repentance we're not told, ultimately, it was God's sovereign purpose for uh, such a delay to have occurred. But it certainly gave ample opportunity for doubt, both on Noah's part and on the part of those who heard his warning. As they waited year after year after year uh, for it to occur. We can identify with this. I think. Meanwhile, life on earth was um, passing on as normal. Um, the manner it, it, it always had in anyone's memory. In fact, the, the gospel writer Matthew tells us, quoted in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Um, in other words, uh, Noah's day was passing, uh, the days were passing in a perfectly normal sort of way when when out of nowhere, uh, this man Noah starts Uh, warning people about their bad behavior and the judgment of God while laying the keel for this absolutely enormous boat the size of a football field out behind his house. Uh, But for all of this, we're told that Noah gets the word of God and believed it. Now, brothers and sisters, the world around us has not gone so far down the tubes as in the days of Noah. God has restrained the wrath of men, and the influence of millions of Christians has salted this world and preserved it from being worse than it might be. Um, Humanly speaking, the call to faith is a lot easier for us than it was for Noah. Um, uh, What we're called to believe, uh, namely the birth and death and resurrection of Christ, has already happened and was witnessed by Hundreds of people, and was documented in the page of the Bible and even in some secular literature. We have the written testimony and record of many faithful men and women who have gone before us, living conspicuous lives of faith, to encourage and cheer us on in our faith. Well, then, uh, what is this faith <clears throat> which, to which we're called? Faith is simply recognizing a need of a Savior. Faith, as I said last Lord's Day evening, is laying hold, is grasping hold of Jesus. Jesus is our ark. Do you understand that? He's our ark. He's the only means of salvation from the coming flood of judgment to which all the world will be exposed on the day of his return. You and I must run to the ark and ask Jesus to save us and keep us. The Heidelberg Catechism defines faith this way: it says true faith is not only a knowledge and conviction that everything God reveals in His Word is true; it is also a deep-rooted assurance created in me by the Holy Spirit through the Gospel that, out of sheer grace earned for us by Christ, not only others but I too have had my sins forgiven, have been made forever right with God and have been granted salvation. Those beautiful pastoral words from the uh, Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, The Apostle Paul tells us um, that faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We get faith. uh, To get faith, we must lay hold of Christ by laying hold of his word, uh, the gospel. Romans one sixteen tells us that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Now, what does the word what does the gospel tell us? Well, it, it tells us that out of a heart of mercy and out of a heart of love, God sent his only son, the eternally begotten Jesus, to pay the debt of our sin, to take the punishment we deserve and bring us new life to this age, and eternal life in the age to come. The word of Christ teaches us that whoever believes in the Son has life, and he's crossed over uh, from death uh, to life. The one who has entered the ark, uh, uh, which is Christ, uh, is saved. The word also emphatically tells us that whoever rejects of the Son will not see life. He will drown in the judgment of his sin. For God's wrath remains on him. So you and I must exercise faith and either repent of our proud unbelief and and our self-sufficiency, call upon Christ and trust him for what he did for us. We know we're weak. We have all sorts of things that come into our minds and in our hearts. And and, and, and we're not surprised by that. When, When doubts come into our minds, we're not shocked. You know, we, we just say, well, that's, that's what it is. And I repent of that. Lord, help me. And he does. He will give you grace. So, <clears throat> uh, in Hebrews 11, we see this man of faith who believed in God, who trusted God's word uh, that was given to him and was saved. And we know that he was a man of genuine saving faith because he proved it by his works. And that's the second thing I need to speak of. Um, Noah was not saved by his works. He, he did not make it into the, the heroes of the faith list on Hebrews 11 because of his works, uh, uh, because he, he built the ark, but rather he built the ark because he was saved. Um, it was God's gracious saving work in his life that motivated Noah and enabled to Noah to do what God told him to do, even though it just must have seemed a little strange to build this huge ark. Now, we know that sometimes people get this confused and suppose that it's by our works or by our performance, or religious or otherwise, that saves us. It's the natural thing to believe that, that it's our performance. I mean, that's the way work, the world works, isn't it, if you if you perform well, you're well-thought-of. If you perform poorly, you're poorly-thought-of. So we sort, of, we sort of transfer that to our idea of God and our relationship with God. we suppose that God judges us on the basis of our performance. But it's not that way at all, is it? It's all a matter of God's grace and grace first. Um, well, it's a bad mistake and needs to be rejected. Uh, the Apostle Paul understood this. And many of you are familiar with the verse that we, in fact, have already read this this morning, this evening. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not of a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance that we should do them. Uh, we are saved by faith alone, but. Faith that is alone is never saving faith. True faith will always result in a deep desire uh, and purpose to obey God and follow Him. Stumble though we may, we'll get up, and we'll get up, and we'll get up, and keep following the Lord. Grace does that for us. God does that for us. Amen. And it also results in a godly sorrow where we fail to follow him and do those works which he prepared in advance for us to do. Well, what are the works <coughs> that testify to Noah's true faith? Well, most obviously, as I've already suggested, there was the building of the ark. That was a work of faith. Like Calvin writes regarding Noah, um, the faith he had in God's word prepared him him to render obedience to God, and of this he afterward gave a proof by building the ark. In fact, Noah's ark, to quote Richard Phillips, is a classic demonstration of the relationship between faith and works. Why did Noah build the ark? What caused this work? It was his faith. It was This is clearly the case because unless he had believed, it would have been lunacy to do something like this. Uh, Noah built the ark only because he truly believed uh, what God had said about the flood was true. The flood was going to come and that unless he built the ark, he would be drowned with everyone else. And in so doing, he made a physical provision for his family and testified to them about the unseen God of creation. Of course, uh, faith is not always um, immediately evident, is it? When you walk down the street, uh, you meet a godly man or a woman or a young person on the street. There's no mark on their forehead identifying them as a person of faith. But usually, in time, if we know them, it becomes evident. Uh, In people of faith we always discover a willingness to follow Christ wherever he leads, to live obedient lives wherever he calls them, and and a perseverance to seek after holiness no matter how many times they may fall. In people of faith, there will always be a love of God's people, a love for God's word, and a love of his worship. His people, his word, and his worship. And, And I might add that when we neglect our whether it's be on the job or in the family, then the ark is not being built, so to speak. It's, it's, there's no protection uh, from storms. A man or a woman who is unfaithful to his family does not protect them from spiritual evil um, they will encounter and are encountering in the world. Such a one is not building the ark for those who are dependent upon it. Um, such a one is, is not doing that. For uh, another good work that uh, is given to us as an evidence of of Noah's faith was his his godly fear. In Hebrews 11.7, God records uh, to us that in reverent fear, Noah constructed the ark. Uh, Now, reverent or holy fear is a word that that connotes godly caution uh, and arresting respect, great deference. Um, It refers to the manner in which Noah regarded uh, God in the way he thought about God. He wasn't about to cross God. Uh, He was careful with his relationship with God. Um, The society of men in Noah's day had become so wicked and drifted so far from God that they no longer feared him at all. And one is sorely tempted to wonder if in many parts of the Western world We're not moving in the same direction. But Noah had such a regard for God, such a holy awe, that when he received this terrible revelation of what God intended to do to destroy all the inhabitants of the earth, he took it very seriously. Don't you think it would be a good thing uh, to have a holy fear of God? Don't you think it would be a good thing if an old high school buddy dropped by to invite you to a bachelor party with some guys who were driving up to Cheerleaders Lounge on Route 130 in Mount Ephraim? I'm sure there's a place like that around here. I'm unfortunately unaware of it. Um, and, uh, and, and what would they think if, if you blanched and you paled and you recorded a genuine shock and replied to them, Man, I don't think I'd dare to do that. The Lord hates that place, really. I don't know why he hasn't burned it down yet you're really going to go there. Wouldn't it be a good thing for our sons and daughters and our wives and children and grandchildren, um, children that we teach in school, to see in us a, a holy fear of God, and not a craven sort of fear like one might have uh, for a big bully who's known to beat people up on a whim, but a deep high respect for God and his commands and his gospel and his and his requirements that we would purpose uh, to live holy and blameless, obedient lives together with such a deep, abiding love for God and for Christ for saving us with an eager hope of heaven, with a commitment to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Wouldn't it be a good thing for our families and friends to, to see that in us? Wouldn't it give them confidence of, in our faith and godly leadership? Wouldn't that command the savior to them in a powerful way. I think it most certainly would. Now, there's one other telling work that uh, Noah performed, which is, uh, flows from his saving faith, and that was his witness to the world. Uh, in Second Peter uh, two five, Noah is called a preacher of righteousness. Um, a preacher of righteousness. We can be sure. We can be sure that uh, certain. That during those 120 long years of building the ark, Noah must have had many opportunities to speak to those around him about what in the world he was doing and why. Um, and in like manner, you and I, <coughs> if we're people of faith, know and love Jesus in our hearts, um, and know the price uh, to pay in living outside of Christ without faith and without salvation. Uh, this might compel us to share the gospel and pray for unbelievers, and, that they might also flee from the wrath to come. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, we read, Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Such a desire, such an effort to share the gospel is the most pleasing good work and an evidence of our faith. Well, there is um, one last thing I want to say about the faith of, of Noah. In Hebrews 11, 7, we're told that his faith was actually a condemnation to the world around him. Let me, <clears throat> let me read um, that, uh, that text for you uh, again. Um, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning the events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, every generation since the days of Noah have been, um, in every generation, there's been too many who have turned a cold heart from God and rejected the Lord Jesus. I'm talking about people who who find the Lord Jesus in his gospel and his testimony to his people to be outlandish and offensive as much as it was in Noah's day and they, as they found the ark when Noah was building it before their eyes. They thought, what is this outlandish, crazy old coot doing back there? And people will say such things of us. Um, I'm talking about... Um, Uh, people who are too busy eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage to give attention uh, to Christ and his gospel ark. That is their condemnation for which they will have to answer. But on the other hand, of course, in every generation uh, and every place since the days of Noah, there are many who, who have received the gospel. I'm talking about people warned about the deadly liability of their sin and the gracious offer of complete forgiveness through the substitutionary death and resurrection of Christ. People who've embraced the free offer of the gospel. People who have, with hands of faith, have reached out to grasp hold of Christ. Uh, people who uh, have found uh, an ark of refuge in the Lord Jesus. Uh, these are the ones who are heirs of the righteousness that comes by faith, who have, as you and I have, I trust, a great inheritance laid up for us in heaven where there is no condemnation. For when God gives us Jesus, he gives us everything. He gives us everything Jesus is and everything Jesus has. We're counted as being in Christ. Now, that's our inheritance. That's God's gift to us. And it can never be lost. It's perfectly secure. Whatever else happens in this miserable world, uh, that will never be lost. It's perfectly secure. It's the gift of God for those who reach out with hands of faith. God has floated an ark of life and salvation in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior. And it can be had by anyone who exercises in Him. Let me pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, this man Noah. Lord, uh, comfortably with you in heaven, and for us, and through uh, this testimony of your word, an example, uh, and uh, someone we read about and learn from. We thank you, for the Holy Spirit, as that brings this word to bear in our hearts and teaches us. We do pray that we would be people uh, of, of faith and people of works. Uh, that our our faith and our relationship with Christ might redound in works of love. Uh, that uh, that work of grace in our life might, from that might flow out, Lord Jesus. Things that you prepared for us to do that are pleasing to you. Maybe things that are very small but things that are pleasing to you that you prepared for us and we can do in faith. Father, thank you for the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.